to the God Coffee and Resilience Podcast, where you can get your weekly dose of confidence, motivation, and inspiration in the midst of adversity. In every segment, we will discuss faith, life's obstacles that try to get in our way, and how we can maintain our resilience with God and a whole lot of coffee. I am Reese, your host. Grab a mug of your choice and come on in. And welcome back to another episode of God, Coffee, and Resilience with Reese. I hope everybody is doing great on this wonderful Monday morning. But um, today I have a surprise guest with me. Um, His name is Corey Nathan, and today he's going to share his story of resilience. Good afternoon, Corey. Good afternoon, (laughs) Reese. It is so good to hang out with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Of course. When I heard your story and when your email came across, I was like, of course, this is one that I would love to do because I'm pretty sure there are a lot of other people that kind of went through a similar event such as you, a similar background and things like that. And so I was like, hey, even if it's not of the exact same thing, at least they'll be able to relate and it's going to help someone. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to be here. (laughs) <laughs> sure thing. Sure thing. So now I, I remember writing to you about two different uh, mom- momentous uh, chapters in our life. One was when I first became a Christian. And then the other one, yes. I, think the, I think the one that you're referring to is uh, those times in 2008, 2009 that were pretty rough for us financially. And uh, is that the one that you're talking about? Right. Yeah, I kind of want to dive into both of them if we have enough time. Like, I definitely want to touch on both of them. And if I have to get you to come back, I hope that you will. But. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I already enjoy hanging out with you, so I'd love to make it a habit. <laughs> like my yes, like can't, coffee yeah. habit. <laughs> yes. By the way, we always start off with a nice breaker. So you got to tell me, what is your favorite coffee, your favorite caffeinated drink? Like, what's your favorite thing? Well, I start every day with my tea. I start with uh, an Earl Grey tea okay. typically, but that just kind of uh-huh. warms me up for my coffee. And I, I do, I don't put any extra stuff in it except I do the, mm-hmm. use one stevia. So that's how I do my coffee, just plain oh and with, uh, with one stevia. That's it. <laughs> Wait, you're a black drinker. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's right. That's right. I like it. It's It's good. I don't make it too strong, but it's a good way to uh-huh. start the day. And I usually don't have it in the middle of the day, but I figured I'm hanging out with Reese today. I'm going to have some coffee. <laughs> God, coffee and resilience. That's right. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for telling us about your favorite coffee, but I got another icebreaker for you. Okay. <laughs> so what are three things about you that most people don't know? Oh, boy. Um, well, I- I've been sharing this with some close friends Uh Mm-hmm. When I was a little boy, my mom had to go to work pretty pretty much right away, right after I was born. So we lived yeah. in a in a neighborhood in New York, and um, there was this great uh, Italian family next to us, the Manunis. And Ida Manuni was the the matron of of that family, and she was she watched all of us. Uh, there was a whole gaggle mm-hmm. of us around the neighborhood, and uh, I always thought that I was her favorite. Because at the end of every day, she'd take my head in her hands, my face in my in her hands. She'd kiss me on the head and say, Faccia Bruta, Faccia Bruta. And I just thought it was her pet name for me. And if anybody speaks uh-huh. Italian out there, you know already. Like, But it took me, I was about 30 years old. I started speaking a little bit of Italian. I found out she was calling me Monster Face, Ugly Face. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought it was her pet name. I was her favorite. All the whole time, she's calling me Monster Face. <laughs> 
And it sounds so sweet with the accent. And yeah. you're just like, it got to be something sweet. And yeah. she's like, monster face. Oh, lady. <laughs> no, I mean, Ida's still alive. Thank goodness. Uh, I think she's, yes. she must be about 90 or in her 90s. Uh, but I, I called her out on it. I said, Ida, I, I got to go to therapy now. I got to do something. Like I, my whole yeah. view of like how you thought of me. And, and she's all wrong. She said the typical. She said, well, you know, it loses its meaning in the translation. So. <laughs> So that's uh that's just one thing. Uh Facha Bruta. Yeah. Let's see. Another one is uh oh gosh, I, I think a lot of people do know this about me, but I, I play poker. Uh I'm not a gambler. Okay. I play poker, uh-huh. which is a different thing. Uh, right. So it because to me, like playing poker is like you're not playing against the house, you're playing against other people. And if you play really right. good basic strategy, it's it, it's definitely a strategy game. So I really enjoy that. But I also enjoy okay. how it illuminates uh, human behavior. You know, poker really oh. brings out uh, more often than not the our proclivities, <laughs> uh-huh. but it also trains our discipline if we know how to play the game to stay by what we know is the best the best way to play. So that's another one. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. And then let's see, a third one might be that I started out as a stockbroker during the day. I got licensed. I actually earned my license when I was still 19, Series 7, Series 63. Uh, but I was doing uh-huh. that during the day to put myself through a theater conservatory. So I had so, some folks know. I don't know if nobody knows that, but those are that's a little bit okay. of trivia. I was a stockbroker during the day going to a theater conservatory at night. So it was an interesting time. Wow. And for the people who don't know what theater, theater conservatory is, such as myself, what is that? Well, <laughs> Uh, basically, it's it's just um, a place where you go to study uh, great literature, where you study uh, methods of acting, uh, where you study uh-huh. stagecraft. Um, you know, you, you study oh. it. it, it uh, you study theater basically, uh, but it was a private, uh, a private small school, if you want to call it that. It was a part school, part ensemble, and uh, uh-huh. I really learned a lot about the great method acting teachers and some. You know, uh, so we learned a little bit of classical. Uh, but definitely learned yeah. a lot of great literature in the process. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. Cause I think in undergrad, I did two um, plays and I had to at least be familiar with downstage and all that stuff. And I was like, <laughs> Oh Lord. Yeah. Um, but it, I like acting cause I get to become someone else. Yeah. But I never did anything else after that though. And that oh, was an man. undergrad. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a fun way to learn about great stories and, you know, depending on what kind of plays you're doing, you know, some great literature. So it's, it's a, it's a really good way to start to understand mm-hmm. other characters and great writing. So it, it really is, uh, a good way to, as, as Glenn Close once said, disturb the molecules in a shared community experience, you know? I like that. Disturb the molecules. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you, what was it like um, growing up for you? Like, do you have siblings or like kind of where did you grow up and where are you now? Yeah. My family's all from New York. So we started out, uh, my family's all from Brooklyn. Uh, when I was born, by the time I was born, my parents were in Staten Island with my older brother, Eddie. And then, uh, by the time I was six, we moved out to central New Jersey. So I grew up mostly Mm -hmm. in New Jersey and, uh, you're probably way too young for this, but if you've ever heard the the song, my hometown by Bruce Springsteen, that's actually Mm -hmm. my hometown. So, uh, 
maybe look it up on on Spotify or something like that. Uh, but Bruce, I will. Yeah, Bruce I and I will. had even had some of the same teachers in high school. Uh, doc, uh-huh. Dr. Robert M. Hussey, he was he was uh, our English teacher. Gave us both a, a love for language and poetry and Shakespeare. So. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Because yeah. I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. Okay. Um, but we moved, gosh, when I was like in second grade. So that's all I know, like a yeah. little bit of it. And then we, we came back for a couple of summers. But for the most part, I was in South Carolina with my grandparents because they were getting older. Okay. And my mom was like, okay, I'm going to come back down there. I'm going to help them yeah. out as they're in retirement stage. And then my grandpa passed in 2015. So we were down there for a while for like a good chunk of my childhood onto high school and teenage years and blah, blah, blah. And w- <laughs> do you live in that area? Where, where, what part of the country are you in now? I'm in Texas. So I'm, I call myself a mutt. I went from New Jersey to South Carolina to Virginia to Texas. And I just got to Texas this year in May. Oh, okay. In May. Where in Texas are you? I'm in Plano. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know Plano. Um, I, I love hey. Dallas. I love Austin. Uh, you know, spent a little, especially Austin. I have a soft spot, you know, for Sixth Street. You can spend a lot of time on Sixth Street, the music, kind of that little strip Sixth there. Street. Yeah, in, in Austin. But, okay. Um, but I was going to say the the other thing about my youth is I grew up in a very observant Jewish family. We went to an uh-huh. Orthodox synagogue. Uh, we did, you know, kept kosher, observed all the holidays. Uh, we were we were very observant. But um, I think I told you this in my late twenties, I became a Christian. So that was something. Yeah. Yeah. So that was something. How did we cross that bridge? Like, how did you cross the bridge? You said y'all was like an Orthodox Jewish family, very conservative culture. And then for you to, to switch, like what, what was that turning point or what, what influenced you to come to Christianity? You know, that's an interesting way to ask the question. Cause usually folks ask me for kind of a straightforward testimony uh, when this subject uh-huh. comes up, but that's an interesting way to ask that question, what was that turning point um, or what led you to that? And I think, yeah, I think what it was, was I, I've always, oh, my dog's coming in. <laughs> she got a bath today. She's a, that's Bailey Abigail. Um, <laughs> hey, Bailey. <laughs> uh, I think by the time I was in my mid teens, I was starting to zero in on what you might think of as existential questions. You know, uh-huh. like how, how did all of this, the universe, how did it all begin? Like where, where is it going? Um, you know, yeah. what's wrong with the universe? Uh, is right. is there some sort of salvation? You know, is there uh, the, the way we might think of it now, but just kind of, you know, where's it all from? Where's it all going? What's wrong with it? And yeah. can we be a part of fixing it all? You know, mm-hmm. so I think I was ripe for the right circumstances to, it, I, I had these mentors, uh, in my late twenties, I, I, I was starting to think about having a family. We were married already. Me and Lisa were married already. And we were starting to think uh-huh. about having a family. I was starting out in business and, um, right. I was looking for mentorship and, and this one fella in particular, great dad, great husband, great in the community, really, really successful business person. And, um, mm-hmm. I, he, I would go to him for recommendations for like books or, or classes or speakers to, to listen to. And he always right. gave me Christian books. He always gave me like, I'm like, dude, you gave me another Jesus book. What's up with you, man? <laughs> so 
he finally, I, I thought I was calling him out on it because he, he happened to be like me. He grew up Jewish, but he became a Christian right. at a certain point. And, and I uh-huh. thought he was trying to do it to get under my skin. Like, dude, you know, I'm a Jew. Not only that, I'm a Jew from Jersey. So like all this, like uh-huh. Jesus seeds, it, it's not flying. Like, don't do that. Just like, give me a business book. To say that he was planting seeds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So finally, I, I wanted to call him out on it and um, say, what's up with you? Like, why did you become a Christian? You're like, you were on my home team. Now you're part of the other side. You know, you know, I love you, Hal. But uh, he's like, he gave me this. He gave me another Jesus book. It was called More Than a Carpenter uh, by Josh uh-huh. McDowell. And it was the first time anybody I had read any account that tried to make an empirical case for the life, death uh-huh. and resurrection of Jesus. And I Honestly, I didn't find that small version of the book of, of McDowell's argument very compelling. It more just kind of ticked mm-hmm. me off, but it ticked me off enough for me to ask some more questions. And I got a bigger right. version of the book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And then I started asking yeah. theological questions. So I started getting like C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton stuff. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I was like, I was all kinds of confused. And um and and I started thinking maybe this there's some more meat to this on this bone, you know. So right. I actually started re, um, refreshing. I had studied a lot of other world religions and philosophies along the way, so I started dipping back into that to see if the answers to those basic questions were as coherent in other philosophies that I'd looked at. And uh, sorry, this is a long story, but long story short, oh, I fin- I finally good. got to the point where where I. I, I still hadn't read the new Testament. So after having done all that study, especially, you know, GK Chesterton stuff, uh, orthodoxy Mm -hmm. was one of his, his great kind of distilled pieces of theology. Obviously a lot of people know mere Christianity from CS Lewis. I said, I got to read this. Mm -hmm. I got to read these letters, these, you know, uh, this, this new Testament collection. So I started right. with James, which is a good one for me because it's it's written to the the twelve the twelve tribes, you know, which I resonated with. Like, yes. hey, he's writing that to the Jews. He's writing that to me. And then I went uh-huh. to Matthew, and just started at the beginning. And um, what really got me was about five chapters in. This Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, I still looked at him as a Jesus character. You know, I, I wasn't quite ready to like embrace the whole uh, <laughs> Son of God thing yet. But I said, Man, yes. this Jesus character. He's doing what what uh, Jews would think of as a devar Torah, a uh, like an explanation right. of the a Torah portion that they were talking about. And mm-hmm. uh, this is the most brilliant devar Torah I'd ever read or heard. And it was a Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> so <laughs> from there, I just oh, kept yes. on reading. In about a day and a half, I I read through Revelation, yeah, uh, Revelation twenty two, and um, and then I was ready to. I, I don't know what I was ready to do, but I was re- like, it was just the most. After everything, several months of reading obsessively and thinking and, you know, just kind of processing all this stuff, I was ready to what my friends were calling, give my life to the Lord. It didn't really make a ton of sense to me. Um, but the last little bit of that is uh, the the uh, the prayer. Being a Jew, you have an actual organized prayer for everything. You know, Baruch HaTad Hashem, I'm a Christian now or whatever. The you know, it, there's an organized prayer for everything. So I asked Hal what the prayer was, and he said, "No, man, just talk to God." I'm like, "What do you mean, just talk to? Me? Give me the prayer. I can't just talk to God." He said, "No, no, no, just talk to God." It's open. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I talked to wow, God, and okay. and uh, I woke up the next. Yeah, I woke up the next morning, and uh, 
I, I, you know, I told my wife, uh, I said, Hey, Lise, I think I'm a Christian now. And the, the first thing she's, she's from Alabama. So she grew up getting dragged to church, but she hadn't, she hadn't uh, become a Christian yet. And she said, if you think you're going to drag me to church, you got another thing coming. So, <laughs> so no. she, uh, it, it was a little while before she came to the Lord. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. But the other, the other part of that though, is, um, I think what, what you, sorry about the long story, but, uh, no. you know, being a Jew, um, about a month later, it was Thanksgiving, and I had to go back and tell my parents. And uh, some funny stuff, if, you know, looking back about how they reacted. Uh-huh. But my dad, um, my dad is a very important figure in my life. He's a very, very important person in my life. Um, and uh, about a month after I told him, he wrote me this 10-page, uh, single-spaced letter explaining all the reasons why I can't and must not become a Christian. And he hit it from like every angle you can imagine. He gave me historical examples. He tried to make a logical Mm -hmm. case against the divinity of Christ. He tried to obviously Mm -hmm. came at it from a filial obligation point of view, um, you know, and how I was betraying, you know, generations upon generations that had sacrificed for us to be Jews. And uh, that he, he won't say this, but I, I, I came to understand later that, he considered doing what's called sitting Shiva. Uh, and in Judaism, that is a ritual you go through when <laughs> I'm going to get emotional thinking about it. Um, when somebody in your family dies. Uh, so uh-huh. it was that serious to him. He didn't go through with it uh, right. because he, he would say that his relationship with his son was even more important than whether I was a Jew or a Christian. So right. that plus the 10 page single spaced letter began a conversation <laughs> with us um, that right. in many ways continues to this day. That was over 20 years ago. So, yeah. Wow. So you got me at the 10 page paper, um, <laughs> single space, yeah. single space, yeah, 12 yeah. font times new Roman. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. What? Yeah. Yeah. Something, it probably was. Oh, my dad, it probably was. He was probably typing it out on her old typewriter too. <laughs> oh no yeah like he really meant business he really meant he was like literally these are all the reasons why you cannot yeah but what and and this might be me because i've never of course i've i've never studied like being a jew or anything like that but jesus was a jew he so was. i'm just like well yeah why so i'm like what is the other side of that what what is uh jewish uh teaching then <laughs> so like, a, what is- it's a great it's a great question so my father now has a much more nuanced view of who jesus was but mm-hmm. understand that it's taken 20 something years for us to get to this point the first we, right we i thought there there are some guys i was hanging out with uh and gals that i was hanging out with that were thoroughly mm-hmm. convinced that you could you could bring anybody to the lord in one conversation or less uh and i just don't think that is the norm that may very well happen, but I just don't think that's the norm. I think that folks coming to the Lord is more often than not the, the result of an army of prayer warriors, uh, and, and God obviously in the middle of it, but also God revealing himself through the ways that he reveals himself. Like for me in scripture, it's his, his word. Of course it was powerful for me. You know, I, I talk about, you know, reading James and then going to Matthew, but like when I got to, um, when I got to, uh, John, is it John? 
is it John? I don't think it starts with, in the beginning was the word and word is with God and word was God. Yes, that's yeah. John. Lord, that scripture hit me. I'll come back to that. But yes. Yeah. So it was hitting me through that. It was hitting me through the body of Christ. You know, the people that I was right. relating to and the relationships that were being built and people that were investing and, and breathing life into me. Right. So right. my conversations with my dad started out very adversarial. You know, that letter was mm-hmm. not like, hey, I think it's a great idea. It, it, that letter did not reflect how to win friends and influence people. It was like, this is bad. This is a sin. You're right. betraying all of us. And this is why, you know? So mm-hmm. his first, we just committed to like having the conversation. So I'd recommend a book. He'd recommend a book. So I'd recommend something like Mere Christianity. You know, uh, C.S. Yes. Lewis is uh, one of his, one of his uh, great works. And he'd send me a book mm-hmm. uh, by a, a rabbi called, You Take Jesus, I'll Take God. <laughs> it was very, very adversarial. <laughs> um, yes. But but eventually I sent him stuff like uh, N.T. Wright has some great stuff. Um, uh-huh. And my dad read some of the longer ones. Like he has those big books uh, and my dad read yeah. some of those longer ones. Um, and he came, came to, and he read some theology too. He read parts of the New Testament. And he actually now has the under, I think I'm expressing this correctly, that he believes that Jesus may very well have been not only the Tzaddik, which is like the great rabbi of his generation, uh, he Uh may very well have been and probably should have been accepted as a prophet, uh, the way that Malachi, Isaiah, Ezekiel, like of the great prophets. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's very specific about the the whole uh, Messiah thing. You know, he says he could have been he could he he might have even been a Mashiach uh, a Messiah candidate, but he was a failed candidate. Uh, so he doesn't quite get to the point of saying he was Mashiach, he was Messiah. Uh, but right. but he went even further at one point. He said if the if he was indeed a failed Messiah candidate, the failure wasn't his. The failure was the failure of Israel at that time, because part part of Mashiach <laughs> it's not just Mashiach; it's the the age of Messiah, uh-huh. right? And it requires the whole people right. of Israel. So. It's a very nuanced view that my dad has. Um, I, I mm-hmm. think he's on the right track, <laughs> you know. We just, um, but obviously, we defer so, in terms yes. of who, yeah, who Mashiach is, right? So, right hey, there, you go. <laughs> a lot of salty, a lot of nuance there. Yes, you are planting well, seeds, and little by little. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's about the relationship. We'll We're still fighting the good fight, so. Yeah, and it's and I love how you guys are fighting. He recommends a book, you recommend a book. We're all reading books, yeah. and we're not throwing punches. And so I like that type of fight. Yeah, yeah, but there were well, some dark days. Did... I, I got to tell you, when when he first uh, rejected this whole notion, it was uh, yeah, good three years, if not longer, before there was any sort of uh, peace and joy even a, a mm-hmm. rem- remote bit of, of those ingredients in our relationship. And uh, that, that means a lot. You have to, you have to have a deep, deep conviction about a decision that you're making in order to be willing to risk right. the, uh, the acceptance uh, and the embrace of, of the person who you look up to the most, you know? Uh, so right. that was a very trying time for us, but uh, glad we, glad we uh, discovered resilience and we're, we're, we're given resilience, you know, God will not tempt you yeah. beyond what you are able, you know, he will not, you could say yes. he, he will not test you beyond what you are able. 
And he gives you the way yes. out of it too. So <laughs> He does. And a lot of us, we just sit and worry, worry, because you expressed how much your father means to you. And so most people, um, especially like if that was me and it was my mom, because um, I don't have a relationship with my dad really, but um, I would be sitting there every day. I mean, for three years, I'd be like, so do I go to Thanksgiving this year? Do I buy her something for Christmas this year? Um, uh, should I send a card this year or she throw it in the garbage can? Like, I would be thinking all these things like, oh, no, is she ever going to um, come come back around? Are we ever going to work it out? Because I guess my mind just goes, 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 goes. Worrying doesn't add another day to your life. Not- worrying doesn't help you find a solution. So you're just basically worrying. And I did see this meme, like, actually today, before I got on with you, and it says, um, we're sitting down worrying ourselves about something God has already found the answer to and solved. So yeah. we're just waiting for time to catch up to us. And I was like, ha, huh, hmm. that's right. Well, one of my favorite <laughs> verses, Reese, is be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known, be made known to God, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So sometimes I can't yes. remember it, so I shorten it to say, thank you, God, for your peace in Christ. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, he says it all over his word. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication. Thankful. You know, so that's right. <laughs> love it. I love that's it. right. I had a um my my ex, one of my ex boyfriends, his mother used to say that to me all the time, all the time. Um, she used to say that verse to me and I used to not really understand it in the moment. But as time went on, because at the time I was going through PA school, I found myself starting to say it. And I was just like, oh, Lord, I feel like in some of my most darkest moments or hardest moments, that's probably what got me through <laughs> over the hump. Just yeah. reciting that. Yeah. Yes. Or be still and know that I am God. You know, he does. He does. Just be that's still. It's OK. <laughs> Being still is so hard. <laughs> Being still is so hard sometimes. <laughs> it is. All it the is. Time. He 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 made the uh, whole world be still for about a year <laughs> in 2020. So. But, uh, you and know. I actually enjoyed like me being still, but then after a while, it started to get restless, and yeah. I was like, "All right, Lord, like, all right, COVID, wrap it up, yeah, <laughs> yeah. wrap it up." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you did mention like you you were in the stock, you started off in business, and um, you were telling me before like one of the biggest downfalls was like the financial collapse of the stock market in twenty. 20- um, 2008. Well, yeah, I want to say right. 2020. Well, so, like, I want to say, like, during that time, um, how did you guys make it through? Like, what was some of the most hardest things financially, of course, that you had to go through? And what were some decisions that were really, really hard? And what motivated you to keep seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, yeah. So, so know that I was well out of the stock market at that time. I'd gotten out of the stock okay. market and had, uh, built some other businesses. Uh, one was like a consulting headhunting business. Another one was like a, a service business, window cleaning, pressure washing, stuff like that. Um, and I was very proud of the, the businesses that we had built. Um, so mm-hmm. some of it was my lack of ability to submit to that verse that I just shared, to not, to, yes. to be anxious. So in the years leading up, starting in really late 2007, 
Uh, and uh-huh. then well into 2009, I was struggling because I was anxious about, well, if, if this happens, then X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And then I can't do X, A, B, and C. And <laughs> it was just like, I mean, you know how it is. Yes. Your mind just goes. Right. So it goes. Yeah. Yes. But um, so there was a lot of inner turmoil leading up to that because I saw something happening that I could not control. It was like, right. it's kind of like when you're in the ocean and you see a wave coming and your, your mm-hmm. inner, your innards are just like struggling because you want that wave to be different. But the wave is, right. is, is what it is. You, you can right. drown under it or you can ride it. <laughs> so, yes, but there were some critical decisions. The most excruciating one for me was, uh, at the end of 2000, it took a long time for all the dominoes to fall. But at the end of 2012, we finally got to a point where we could either pay our mortgage or pay our, meet our payroll. And Mm -hmm. I, I love the people that were on our team. I just absolutely am devoted to them and people that I loved Mm -hmm. and, and were committed to. And so for me, it wasn't really a choice. I hated that fact that I had to make that choice, but it wasn't really a choice. We met, we met payroll. Um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, that started a process of us eventually losing our house. You know, yes. in, a, in a way we were fortunate because we lost, like there was only a bunch of bad options. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we short, we did a, what's called a short sale. It was the least bad of a bunch of bad options. So, yeah. um, but, you know, my kids were in their formative years and uh, it's the house where they grew up in. And right. uh, it, it's, it's like, especially that last, those last couple of years before we finally had to leave the house, it's kind of like you're walking around in a coffin, you know, it's kind of like, you know, having, or, or maybe that's not the greatest analogy, but like having a person who's, who's in hospice in your house, knowing that something is right. inevitable that has a conclusion that you're not going to be happy about, but it's going to happen, you know? So we finally left that house. And, um, even after we left, uh, there was still a lot of mess to clean up. And I was just committed to us getting back on our feet, you know, to, to the kids, not, you know, to us having a roof over our heads and, um, you know, just there, there's a lot of humbling that goes on during that whole process, you know? Uh, so, uh, it was just that, I think that's when I really started to learn, like uh, in the Lord's prayer, give us this day, our daily bread, you know? Um, I learned like, I wanted not our daily bread, but like, hey, Lord, can you give us our monthly bread? <laughs> you know, our yes, yearly bread? Yes. Can get my retirement bread? this bread? Yeah. But, <laughs> can you but, spare I, it? <laughs> right, right. But, you know, mana, if you if you tried to hoard it and save it so that you had some for tomorrow, it, that that stuff right. would go spoiled, you know? So that, right. that was a time where, where, where we had literally our daily bread. We're like, okay, we got through the right. day, you know? And then yes. eventually over between um, 2012 and 2000, what is it, 50? So we're, we're in this house. We got into this house three, three and a half years ago. So it was 2018. So it was really that time between 2015, 2018. It was just like one day at a time, one foot in front of the right. other, daily bread. And uh, yes. I ended up paying off every cent of debt that we had. It, and it was it was a lot. It was like, it was a lot. It was seven figures worth of debt and just uh-huh. one creditor at a time. And the best, um, yes. the, 
the best experience of that was there was one with a local, there was one piece of debt that we had with a local bank. Cause those last few years leading up to us, uh, missing our mortgage and that whole process starting, I was borrowing a lot of money so that I could cover payroll. So right. there was a local bank, uh, and friends of mine that I'd see out, you know, out in the grocery store or on a soccer field or something, they were the executives of this bank and I owed them a lot of money. And the last piece of debt that I paid off, um, we had, I had worked my butt off and sold a bunch of stuff and did, just did whatever I could. I just rubbed two sticks together, uh, and, and, and figured out how to make it work. And finally I had this big, big old check to pay off the bank of Santa Clarita. And I went in there and I was just going to, you know, give it to the, uh, teller. Uh, she didn't know me. Um, but I just knowing and being able to go outside and, you know, do, do whatever, just celebrate on my own. And she, she, she looked at the check and she knew me. Uh, and she said, right. can you wait here for a second? I'm like, am I in trouble? <laughs> you guys get But she got this, uh, this other fellow, a guy named Craig Connor, uh, the fellow that, uh-huh. I, that I knew. And, um, he's the guy that, that uh, works with the SBA and got me the loan in the first place. And he said, oh man, this is great, Corey. I am so happy for you. I'm happy for the bank, obviously, because a lot of the stuff we just never get paid back. And he right. said, wait here for a second. And he went in the back and he got the president of the bank. And the president of the bank wow. came up front and he shook my hand. He said, you're <laughs> going to get emotional again. He said, you're a man of your word. I really appreciate that. You know, I really appreciate you, you know, doing what you had to do and paying us back because, you know, not everybody does, does that. So that, that just meant mm-hmm. a lot to me that, that we were back, uh, that we had dug out of that hole, uh, but that right. it affected people's lives. The fact that we were able to do that, there were other people that were affected by that. People in my neighborhood, people in my community, people that I go to church with. So I was just really proud of that. And, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, we were able to get back into a house and, you know, get back on our feet. And it's been, uh, yeah. it's definitely worth, it's hard developing resilience like that, um, but it's definitely it worth is. it, you know? Uh, yes. At the time, what did your wife do? Well, Lisa was still, we call her the EVP of domestic affairs. Um, so we, our three of our kids were very much uh, on the move and had great uh-huh. needs. And every time that we measured out what the best option for us was, um, she wasn't in a position to get a job uh, that would exceed the costs of, you know, having to cover the needs for the kids. Cause we, for the most part, we were all out here on our own. We didn't have family or extended family um, for, mm-hmm. for most of the time that we've been out here. Um, my brother had moved out. Actually, our brother had moved out in 2008, but, um, you know, by that time we were so far into our family life, we didn't have like these other extended family resources to, to rely on. So we just right. decided that Miss Lisa is going to stay as, as, um, she's going to stay at home and she's going to be the executive of our kid. We had three, have three kids, thank God. Um, so that's what she was doing. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So everything, even though in the midst of it, you had no idea how it was going to end, what the outcome was going to be. You just knew if I keep trucking, if I keep doing what I have to do, we'll make it through this. Yeah. And you kept just one day at a time. I love that. Yeah. And the, yeah, that's the, right. um, the reference of manna, uh, I think that's very important too, because people forget, um, give us this day, our daily bread. <laughs> and so <laughs> people forget. Yes. So I like that you used all those references because it's going to help someone. Um, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Reese. Um, I don't know if you'd be able to edit this out, but 
I see on, on my timeline that I don't have those lines that indicate that it's picking up that I'm talking. Is that a, is that going to be a problem? Oh, no, it's indicating that you're talking on my side. Oh, okay. All right. That's all that's important then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> okay. Sometimes when I'm recording, I look at the, I look at the indicators. I'm like, I forgot to press a button. <laughs> We're like already four no. minutes in. So that's got, it's cool. You got, Reese has got it taken care of. <laughs> yes. I do want to ask you, though, for anybody out there that might be going through financial difficulty or just difficulty with they might be of a, another faith or a background and they want to switch to Christianity or switch to something else and they don't know how to do it. Like what what type of advice would you give someone in, in that predicament? Oh, boy. Well. I'd love to give just an easy digestible little meme or something like that. I just don't, here's, here's what comes to mind is, um, right about that time that all that stuff was starting to happen. I was, Mm -hmm. uh, I was wrestling with, um, uh, mental illness, mental illness runs on both sides of my family. Um, Uh and, uh, especially faced with great, uh, turmoil and, and challenges, um, it, it, it was exacerbated. Some of those things that, that where my head goes, uh, whether mm-hmm. it, you, you might call it depression or, um, by some certain, a certain form of bipolarity, um, they were yes. exacerbated, uh, when circumstances like that were happening. So mm-hmm. I started studying this thing and I, I tried the, um, uh, the getting uh, diagnosed and, and I tried medication for it. Uh, so mm-hmm. in, I, no way, uh, like, don't take my word for it, but my own experience was that the medication, uh, didn't achieve the results that we were looking for in different combinations of medication. Right. So I looked uh-huh. for other, uh, forms of, of, of help. Uh, and a lot of it, you know, to your point, Reese, like you've talked about this uh, in your first season, you know, working on yourself, right. Uh, yes. working internally, working with the Lord. So. I developed that what's now kind of my morning ritual. I, I wake up usually pretty early in the morning. First thing I do uh-huh. is I read the Bible. Now, if, if you're not a Christian, I, I don't know, give the Bible a try, but you know, there's plenty of uh, transcendent literature, whether it's something from, if you're a Buddhist or, or some other uh, faith or, or philosophy tradition, there's good transcendent okay. wisdom. And if it's last a few, lasted a few thousand years, give it a, you know, start your day with it. It's like, you're kind of, Giving giving your mind uh, a shower to start the day with with good wise yeah. material, right? So I start reading the Bible. Um, then I have uh, you see in my back, I have all these books. I'm a I'm a reader, so you know, like I mentioned, C.S. Lewis or G.K. Chesterton, or you know, um, right right now I'm reading. Um, uh, there's a fella. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name is J. Cameron Carter. He's this great theologian. Hi. Um, and he wrote about the, uh, I forgot what he calls it, but it's like the theology of race, like how race and racism started, um, uh, sneaking its way into theological conversations. Uh, he's a very profound, uh, thinker of our day. Uh, so I, I uh-huh. read, uh, stuff outside of the Bible, but that is nurturing and nourishing for my mind. I, I write, which, uh, a lot of people would take that slot of time for a more traditional prayer time. But my prayer time, my conversation with God, I write because it, it forces yeah. me to slow down my thoughts, uh-huh. you know, enough to be able to articulate them 
And there's no real mm-hmm. structure. The only structured part of the writing, it's usually just like I'm talking to God because, um, right. because you can't BS God, right? So that's the most important part right. is you, you don't, you don't try to put on some, some other thing. You just like, you talk, you talk to God, right? The only structure in it is I force myself to not force myself, but, um, the, the only part of the writing is, uh, that, that I, I make sure to try to do every day is, is be thankful. What am I thankful for? What am I grateful for? Um, so I read the Bible, I read good material, I write, then I go for a walk. That's my exercise. I'm getting old. You see my gray hair. I'm getting old. So I go for a walk. You, about half the time, I'm just it's uh, I'm just listening to the birds. There's deer this time of year I see, and I pass horses all sometimes. And um, so it's a good walk. I usually go for about an hour, hour and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm listening to podcasts. I listen to to a bunch of your your uh, episodes. Um, oh, so you. I uh, I walk. I take vitamins. Um, you know, and then so by the time I've come back from all that, you know, reading the Bible, right. reading, writing, walking. You know, my, it's a great way to start the day, you know, because you're setting the pace for the day. The day's not setting the pace on you. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, those are just some, I have some other things that I do that are personal to me. Uh, but, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is just like working on our, the, you know, greatest commandment, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the other, the other commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You got to work on that stuff, right? You You got to work on your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So all those things that I do are meant to prepare my heart, you know, and and to to you know to um, uh, uh, focus my soul and to you know just like all those things. That's all a pillar of who we are as human beings, you know. So. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's the best I can, I can come up with, uh, in terms of how to get through that stuff, you know, how to deal yes. with that stuff. I mean, so. stay connected and, you know, nourish yourself and, you know, nourish your relationship with the Lord and, um, he will take care of the rest. Um, one of the things that one of my preachers said, um, I watch, um, uh, Stephen Furtick, I went to Elevation for a little while when I was in Virginia, and he used to say, um, nothing that you're going through is by surprise. Your whole life was planned out by God. So he knew that it was coming, but this is just another test of faith. Are you going to believe in him enough to know that he got your back? Like that you're going to make it through it. The plan is already set. You're going to get through it, but do you believe enough to know? Like, what are you going to do in the meantime until you get through it? And so that had me thinking, and I think it was one, um, one sermon he preached. He said, the Lord is not bound by time. So, um, we're, we're in the present moment, but the Lord has already prepared the way he has gone before us. And so there's nothing you can do or say, or like you said, um, put on a a fake, a fakeness for the Lord. He knows you, he created you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that that's awesome advice in order to get through any hardship. Just, you know, take care of yourself and then take care of your relationship with God. I think that's important. And setting the tone for the day, reading the Bible or reading whatever faith and exercising releases endorphins and (laughs) all the things. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Every, Every moment is another act of creation. You know, God, you're is. right that God is outside of, of, of time, but he al- is also okay. working inside of it and he is the creator, yes. you know, and, and so every moment is another act of creation. 
And he's allowed us right. to be in, in his creation. He's allowed us to be in the present, which is a part of his creation. But the present is right. like the intersection of time and eternity. You know, <laughs> like it's kind yes. of a weird concept to think about, but that's where we are. That's where we are. So. Right. And he's everywhere. He's just wonderful. He is wonderful. Lord. But yeah. for my audience, like where, where can they find you? Like if they want to connect with you or if they found you very interesting and insightful, or if they want to talk to you or like, or where can they find you? The stuff that I just said, like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. Feel free. I love to engage. If I could do, do it with my dad, I could, I, I'm happy to engage, but I always like to do yeah. it with, uh, with winsomeness, you know, as they say, uh, make, uh-huh. make a ready defense for the hope that's within you, but with gentleness and respect. So that's where I like to be, but you can find me yes. on, on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and, and, uh, Instagram. Uh, it's all C O R E Y S as in Sam or my middle name, Scott C O R E Y S Nathan N A T H A N. Or you can find us on our, we do this on our podcast. It's called Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. And and it's all like talking with the apostrophe after the end and killing. So talk of politics and religion without killing each other. And that's T-P-N-R pod uh, on Twitter and and Instagram and all that. T-P-A-N-D-R pod. Well, I'm definitely going to subscribe and listen to your podcast as well um, and make sure that I listen. I, I think that would be interesting, talking politics and religion without killing the most, the two most controversial type <laughs> topics there is. And I'm just like, I'm, you got me with the title, without killing each other. I want to yeah. see this. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Yes, so. It's a lot of fun. We get all yes. kinds of great guests on there. We should have you on someday, Reese. You, you'd be great. Uh, oh, be great to have you to. on there. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd yes, be fun. I would love to. Of course. Just let me know. We'll be in touch through email because now that you've been on the show, you're family now, and you can't get you can't get away from me now. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. We love you. We embrace you as family. I know my audience is listening. They love you too. And so please go support Corey um, and his podcast. Go subscribe. Go find him on social media and let him know what you thought of the podcast episode. I thought that this was a wonderful interview. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I, you, I, I feel like you indulged me and, and I talked too much, but I thank you for it. You're a great listener, Reese. Oh. I really appreciate getting to know you a little bit better. Yes, definitely. I mean, and then outside of this, even if it's not to be on the podcast, just checking up on each other, we'll stay in touch through email, of course. But I thank you so much for taking time out your day just to come on and share your story of resilience. You touched on a lot of good points. And I just know, I just feel it that this episode is going to help someone. So thank you so much. That's encouraging. Thank you, Reese. Yes. And thank you guys for listening until the next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to go to the website and we'll be back in two more weeks. Bye guys. tuning in to this week's episode of God Coffee and Resilience. You can also follow us on Instagram at God Coffee and Resilience Podcast. You can also follow the host, Reese, at The Resilient PA. And you can also check out our website at TheResilientPA.com. Take care, guys.